Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's Thursday night, and you know what that means. Hey, I'm Jeff Garcia. Hi, my name is Hardy Nickerson. Hi, guys. My name is Roberto Aguayo, and you're watching the NBL Show. Bring out the Inca Razors. Roberto's <laughs> rewriting history. Hi, I'm Gary Barnage. This is Will Allen. I'm Gus Farrat, and you're watching the NBL Show. And just out of nowhere, Colleen Wolf has called us up. Do you want to crack on? Yes, I would like to crack on. I think I know what they're talking about. Maybe. Jack Barrett of the Tampa and you watching the NBL Show. Hey everybody, I'm Maurice Jones-Drew, Pro Bowl running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you're listening to the NBL Show. NBL, not NFL, NBL, which is way better than NFL. Just ask me, because I work for the NFL. I might get fired for saying that. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to us again. Your listening pleasure this week, it's me, it's Chris. We've had Gus for a while, we've had Taylor Lewan. But this week we thought we'd bring on a colleague. A co-presenter, three of our very best friends, Maurice, Jones, and Drew. Maurice, Jones, Drew, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Yeah, doing really well. Sorry to wake you up at eight o'clock in the morning, but you said you wake up at six o'clock anyway, so this was a lion. Oh, well, listen, I, I, I've been uh, trying to drop some weight here and get skinny, and so I normally wake up at like 5.30, 5.45 to work out and get my day started, but uh, you guys gave me a reason to sleep in until 6.50, so... <laughs> <laughs> Is it still... Do you still like keep the same weightlifting regimen that you had in the NFL? So what happened was uh, when I retired, I was like, I'd been working out probably since I was 13 years old. So I was like, look, 13 to 29, that was more enough working out for me. I'm just going to stop cold turkey it. Yeah. Uh, which was probably the worst thing ever, the worst decision <laughs> ever. So um, I gained a lot of weight. And then, you know, the last couple of years, I just kind of wanted to slowly get it back. But I was kind of just not really giving my best effort. Uh, and I decided probably like in August, I was like, look, I'm just going to hit it like I played football. And yeah. so uh, I've been doing that here in Los Angeles and just working my butt off every day, trying to work out five to six days a week. And I've lost a lot of weight. So the plan is to keep going and to get back to playing weight. Our mutual friend, Colleen Wolf, uh, has said that, who obviously connected us, has said that you look a lot better and have lost a lot of weight. And she said, make sure you tell him that. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I mean, we can only see your head, but... <laughs> and it's also a great way to um, hide your NFL comeback. We can pretend you're not trying an NFL comeback. <laughs> well, they, look, as much as they're paying these guys now, I may go back. To <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what Taylor Lewan said. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so funny because, uh, like, who doesn't want to eat chicken nachos? And, like, when I played, I couldn't eat those things. Yeah. I never had dessert until I retired. So that's how crazy it is. I never, like, I wasn't a cookie guy, a sweet guy. Um, actually there's a famous ice cream place at UCLA where I went to college, uh, called Diddy Reese's like ice cream cookie sandwiches. I went there. Yeah. There's one in Berkeley as well, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So I never ate there. And then, so when I retired, I mean, who doesn't love sweets when you can find it just can like just dive in. So I bought the ice cream shop when I retired. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. So I, I, pre- I should have bought it pretty much. I just should have just sat there and ate, uh, a couple gallons of ice cream, but, uh, I ate yeah. up all of, like bread pudding and. It's, it's nice. So I, I now I have to fight those urges and get back into shape and look the part. You say that, but we, we have just sent you a jacket. And if it is now too big for you, I do expect you to put that weight back on. Just so we don't feel bad. Oakland Athletics yeah. starter jacket. Oh, no, I'm not going to put it back on. I'm just going to wear it huge. It's just going to be my blanket. Well, you said that um, you were lifting weight since age 13, which segues really nicely into something I want to talk about. Dayla Sal. You didn't lose a game. 151 on the bounce. I was going to ask, three years you went to that high school, didn't lose a game. What made that team so good? I mean, apart from having a future Pro Bowl running back. 
Well, it's funny. Um, it's, it's a private high school. Uh, like my varsity, I never lost a game. Freshman, I played freshman uh, football. We never lost a game, which is pretty cool. But it, you play with guys that are going to hold you accountable. And that's the most important thing. So like we had like five or six rules that you had to follow. Um, and then it kind of just was, you know, from there, uh, the head coach was like a big philosophy major. And he always talked about like, just being good people, you know? Um, now granted you gotta be a little crazy to run full speed into another person, Yeah, but, uh, he did a great job of just managing like our expectations and what he expected of us. And so the one rule, like it was like, I think it was like no stealing, no cheating. Um, no losing. <laughs> uh it was like uh it was just like it was like simple rules like be on time work hard you know and, and compete or something like that and literally that's all we did every day for you know we would train um i think we would train probably like from january all the way to december whenever our season was over yeah we only got the month of december off if you played a second sport you would have to come in early in the mornings and work out uh to get your lift in and then if you didn't you would work out after school but it just created a culture of just guys holding each other accountable, not being afraid to tell a guy you're not giving it your best. Right. And we need your best. And so um, you would get some fisticuffs going on there. Cause you're, you know, you got a lot of young boys hitting puberty and testosterone's all over the place. And you know, it's, it, it I've gone back to coach and it smells horrible. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to smell like. Right. It's not supposed to be, you know, like roses it's supposed to smell like, hard work and, and, you know, puberty all mixed in together, I guess. But, um, you know, you go back and you kind of look at these kids and it's like, man, I remember roaming these halls at 16, 17 years old and, and, you know, telling a friend of mine, you know, I don't like the way you worked out today. You know, I didn't appreciate, you didn't give us everything you had. And so uh, we did that a, a coupled with, I think we had uh, 12 guys on that team end up being on an NFL roster at one point. So we had a lot of talent. Well, that certainly helps. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we had, uh, Matt Gutierrez who played for the Patriots, uh, Derek Landry who played with me in Jacksonville. Uh, so we had some guys that can go, uh, Demetrius Williams. So we, we like, we had some dudes that could play. Um, and you know, it just, man, it just was like unbelievable how, um, you can get a group of guys, young men together to believe in one cause and really go out there and give everything they have. So why did you end up picking um, the NFL instead of being an astronaut? Because I know you want to be an astronaut because you've got a B in chemistry. And I think it takes a little bit more than that, but why did you pick the NFL? Uh, it was an easier route. <laughs> Literally one of the only career paths. Should I go paths. to the moon or should I go to Jacksonville? The only career path where I was like, yeah, I've got more chance of making it in the NFL. Right. <laughs> no, so uh, what happened was this, I, w- I remember like, I might've been eight or nine years old and I was like, you kind of be, we'd roam in the town that I lived in Antioch and there was like, we were at this liquor store or uh, like, it might've been a liquor store, but some guy outside of it was like, man, like, huh? Age eight at the liquor store. <laughs> well, no, like you'd go and buy candy. Like yeah, you'd yeah, buy yeah, yeah, yeah. gas station kind of thing, right? <laughs> oh, trust me. I, I didn't, I didn't have my first drink of alcohol until I got to college. Oh, really? Oh, wow. So I was like straight laced. Yeah, it's funny. That's another story for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the guy was talking to us and he was like, man, if you guys like, you know, go to school and this and that. And, and I'm like, well, then what do smart people do? Like, what does the smart people do for, what, what, does, he, what does that person do for a living? He goes, an astronaut. S- the smartest people in the world are astronauts. And I'm like, I'm smart, I'm gonna be an astronaut. Hell right? Yeah. So my, in my mind, it's like, that's what I wanted to be. Um, as I started to research it, uh, I found out that motion sickness, which is what I have, isn't one of the best things to have when you're an astronaut because you're all over the no place. No, I do. <laughs> And then really at the end of the day, um, 
I just fell in love with football, like at a young age, you know, around that same time as when I was able to, like, I've met a lot of friends that way and just fell in love with the game of football. So uh, my love kind of turned to, uh, to that, which yeah. has been pretty awesome. Have you ever heard of Leland Melvin, Maurice? No. So Leland Melvin was uh, an 11th round uh, draft pick in 1986 for the Detroit Detroit Lions and also ended up being an astronaut. Well, I should meet him. Is he still around? I'm going to DM you the post we did about him so you can read up on him. But yeah, you probably would have a better chance of meeting him than we did. And he wore a Detroit Lions jersey into outer space. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, you're going to want to see this. Well, that's probably why they're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny how you wanted to be an astronaut, but you actually ended up sending Sean Merriman into outer space with that block. But we'll talk about that later. So UCLA Bruins, we talked about it, having our first drink. The success kind of followed you there. I mean, you went there, you led the school all three years. Only five UCLA running backs have done that. And you went bowling every single year. And up winning it in the last year how was ucla is is there a picture of jason bell in the halls <laughs> no well, so it's funny i didn't meet jason bell till after he he never came back to school right? oh really um Typical i don't know he might have came back one time but it, it, it was we uh we actually when we missed each other and like the t- the coaching staff that i came in with i'm gonna tell you some names on this coaching staff and you're gonna be like there's no way uh eric Bienemy was uh what? the running back coach Tom Cable, who is um, yeah. the coach's O-line coach for the Raiders, was our offensive line coach. Kyle Shanahan was the GA my first year at UCLA, right? So it's like so much knowledge in this one place. Like it was it was bananas, you know. Um, and when I got there, they had won six games. And I'm coming from a program where, you know, you never lost. And mm. like it was like, you know, I never saw guys um, not work, give it their best at a workout. And so that was kind of new for me. Um, my freshman year was a little, little difficult. It was trying to like figure out what was going on, but I didn't really like, uh, everything. And I remember talking to some of my classmates, my, the guys that I came in with, uh, one of them being Matthew Slater, uh, who's like the perennial pro bowler for the Patriots and a couple other guys. And I said, look, like we have to change the culture here. Uh, how do we do it? And so, um, it was one, one winter practice. Uh, one of the guys was, walking around the track and we were running and he was like talking trash to us because he said we weren't running hard enough and I was like well then you need to come out here and run with us like like we're out here running hundreds like come run with us don't talk trash to us like you should be supporting us as you're walking around yeah um long story short we ended up getting into a nice little fight in the locker room after that (laughs) and pretty much from that point forward I was like look like you know we're as freshmen we're going to take this team over we're going to change the rules here um and we just like those dudes i want to say it was 2000 like we went six and seven that first year seven and six the next year but it was a different team like we were playing differently we were you know working our butts off and then the last year we ended up going 10 and 2 which was uh you know my favorite year and you won the bowl game we won the bowl game right we played northwestern and uh one of my one of our young guys returned two onside kicks i got hurt i didn't even play in the bowl game (laughs) um but it was, um, you know, when you change culture, it's not it's not always the easiest transition. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of guys bought in. And, and to be honest, from those those teams, a lot of guys are coaches in the NFL. A lot of guys are very successful. And it was, it was because we all bought in and we understood what it took to be great. And so um, it was it was it's just interesting to see kind of the De La Salle way where you have a bunch of guys you grew up with that you hang out with all the time to go into a place where, you know, we had guys from New Orleans, from yep. Louisiana, Texas, Colorado. We had guys from everywhere in this group and trying to get those guys to buy in was was different. But um, it was awesome, man. Like, 
you know, we played against, you know, some of the best programs in the country at the time. USC was one of them. Um, and, you know, we, we just challenged each other to be great every day. And you and ran so, all over them. School record 322 2004 against Washington. School record oh, yeah, 30 points twice, same game and against Cal. I mean, yeah. So then we move forward to the NFL draft. Oh, I just want to ask about the time you got drunk. Oh yes, let's just let's just throw oh, yeah. I know all oh, yeah. of the fans are screaming, Chris, <laughs> you need to get that question. And Hugo's on like a tear on stats. And I'm like, tell me about the drinking. I got you. Well, so uh all I never had a sip of alcohol ever in my life. So I get to college and I'm just like, hey man, like hanging out with my buddies, trying to figure out what's going on. And uh they they go, hey man, like, you know, we're gonna go to this bar. I'm like, well, I'm 18, I don't think you can get in. They're like, oh no, we're in college, you're good, you know. <laughs> Again, I'm naive. Uh so I'm thinking like, hey you know, we can, we could just drink. So, uh, we're actually at somebody's like house and they were making drinks. And, uh, I just started drinking long Island iced teas. Long oh Island iced my tea. God. That's the, so funny. the strongest alcoholic drink there is you opened with. So needless to say, I woke up in someone's bathroom, like hugging the toilet. Cause Love it. I'd never drank before. And, I uh, threw up for like six hours. Maurice Jones spew, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like you think you would never drink again from that, but I was like, man, give me another one down the road. <laughs> well, like, it's nice to know that um, NFL superstars are just like us. Yeah. Exactly. All toilet huggers. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to 2006 NFL draft. The year of our Lord, Broderick Bunkley. The year of our Lord, Broderick Bunkley. Are you aware who Broderick Bunkley is? I do know Broderick Bunkley. Of course you yeah, do. Right, yeah, Bunkley. How do you know Broderick? Yeah, I thought it was like someone else. Like, yeah, no, I know he played in Florida State. Yes, yeah, sir. Broderick Bunkley, exactly. Philadelphia Eagles. So Northern he's Saint. quite a cult figure within this office. Literally just here. Yeah, like we have his jersey. Uh, and we have a room that we call the bunker, but we renamed it the bunkler and we have his jersey up. And it's our one goal to interview Broderick Bunkley. Colleen said she was going to try and make it happen, but she hasn't. So we'll put it, we'll put a pin in it, Maurice. If you can make that happen, you will be an NVL legend. If you can track forever. this man down. Because we've looked. I was thinking about hiring a private detective. He's got no Instagram, he's got no Twitter, and I don't know what his email is. Well, uh, I know a guy by the name of Greg Jones who I can reach out to, who's a Florida State legend, and we'll see if he, I think they played together. We'll see if he That can, would be um, amazing. The great numbers search for Broderick Bunkley. So 2006, the year of our Lord, Broderick Bunkley. You go in the NFL draft, but you have to sit and wait. Behind how many running backs? Five. Yeah. You Num just gave away an answer. Well, he'll know. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I can tell you the names if you want. To. Yeah, go on. List them off. USC. Okay. Reggie Bush. Yeah. Then um, it went. Uh, New England. When Reggie Bush, D'Angelo uh, Williams, Lawrence Maroney. Joseph Adai, and then Lindell White. Yeah. Nailed it. So how does that feel? I mean, you're coming out of UCLA. Obviously, Reggie Bush is setting the country on fire. I'm sh there's probably no problems there. But you have also set LA on fire the other side, for the other school. Did you feel like these guys were drafted before you? Like, hey, why am I not getting a shot here? Well, so I'll give you a little bit of history. Uh, Reggie Bush, so in the state of California, they have like the player of the year. They'll have like different position of the year. Well, in high school, I won running back of the year. Reggie came in second, right? So it was like one of those things where like, we've been battling because he's from San Diego. I'm from the Bay Area. Yep. We had, I've known of him. I've met him. We've run into each other, but um, we had been battling the whole time. And so, um, you know, I get to college. He's like, he's a good friend of mine too. He balls out. He's going crazy. He's doing his thing. Um, very happy for him. But then like, in my mind, I'm like, look, I'm doing, I'm putting up similar numbers. Right right across the way. Right. So I'm like, Hey, like, 
I should be in the top. I go to the combine. I perform well. With your long flowing dreadlocks. I, Very fast yeah, 40 as well. I jumped a 36-inch vertical. Like yep. I did all the things that they said I couldn't do. 18 reps on the bench press. Yeah, that's right. So I did all the stuff that they were looking for. Um, and then, you know, I, I got in, I was in a situation where I was at a place that I shouldn't have been. Fight breaks out. They kind of people thought I did, had something to do with it. Uh, it kind of drops me. But um, oh, is that the reason why? That's one. Yeah, that's one. Oh, the really? Why. Okay. Was there that. was there also a bit of Russell Wilson syndrome in there where they're like, oh, this guy's a little bit too short to be able to perform at an elite level? That was part of it, and then the the, the whole situation that happened mm. kind of gave them validation to say we can we okay. Well, that's yeah, right. Uh, which is again, that, those are those people. That's their decision. For me, it was like, look, I did everything you wanted me to do. My tape shows that I can play ball. The combine shows that I'm, you know, I'm an athlete. I can do all these different things. Um, and I sat there and I, I literally, I, I watched the whole draft until the time I got called. Right. I mean, I'm in, I remember I'm in the room with my agents and I'm like tears, like I'm not crying, but like tears are flowing down my face. I'm like, I did everything that I was supposed to do, you know? Um, and that's when I remember, like, that's when, like, one of the first things was control what you can control. And so uh, part of the reason that that number of those jerseys you guys are wearing is because of that night, that day, watching those guys uh, go in front of me, because I never wanted to be complacent. Like, I knew uh, I had a, a, a great opportunity to be successful in the National Football League, but I never wanted to be complacent. So um, when I got that call from Jacksonville, I was like, yes, I'm coming. Yeah, and we're about to turn this thing around, you know, and I'm gonna, we're going to get in there. And we're going to make plays. Um, and it, it became a different challenge for me, but every day I went to practice those two, the, that number, I would look at that Jersey and always bring a little bit of that memory I had sitting in the, you know, sitting in that, in that room. And it just, you know, it just helped me just always try to be the best I could be. And good Lord, you did. My God, you set the place on fire. Cause they drafted you to be like, okay, we still got Fred Taylor. He's a legend. We'll bring in MJD. He can be sort of a rotational guy, maybe return some kicks, but you set the place on fire. They weren't planning on you being first in AFC and all touches 5.7 yards per carry, which was second to Barry Sanders. Be like to be mentioned with that name in any capacity is incredible. Thirteen touchdowns in your rookie year, third mo- uh, most all-purpose yards, yeah. and then second to Vince Young in the Heisman voting. <laughs> like, how was that? Uh, Not Heisman, MVP. sorry, um, rookie of the year. Yeah, rookie of the year. So how was that? It, it, that that year was crazy. Um, it was fun. I, I learned a lot from Fred that year. Um, but it was like. I was on a mission, you know what I mean? Like I was trying to show the world what, what I what, like, you know, you guys messed up and uh, I appreciate the Jags for all they did, but I got a chance to learn from one of the greatest running backs to play the game as well as have this like crazy determination to show people like how great I could be. Mm. Um, and then I had a coaching staff that gave me the opportunities, right? Like I remember we were playing uh, the preseason game. We were playing um, right before the preseason game. Our GM Shaq Harris uh, came to me. He goes, Hey, you know, I know you're on the West Coast. They really don't show Jags games over there. So the only way for your parents to see you um, is to get on Sports Center. So I was like, oh, for sure. Like, no, <laughs> I just do that. I was, like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, again, I keep telling people to understand how naive I was as a kid because I'm like, oh, that's easy. I'll do that. For yeah, sure. I'll be in the yeah. top 10 every week. Yeah. Don't about me. I'll just be an astronaut after that. Yeah. I remember, uh, like, when I was a kid, my grandpa gave me this Superman shirt to wear my first time playing tackle football. And he was like, hey, if you ever want to, like, if you ever feel nervous, this shirt to help you to protect you'll play like Superman. So I was like, all right, cool. Um, so I wore it from literally the time I started playing football to my last game with the Raiders. And so we're playing the Dolphins in the preseason, and I score this touchdown on this, like, check down. 
and I show my Superman shirt because I wanted my family to be like, yo, like I'm here, you know, uh, got on sports center. Awesome. But got fined like $10,000 from the national football league. Um, Sorry. Maurice Jones Drew wore a child's shirt every game he played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You must have been a uh, big lad when you started playing tackle football, Maurice. Yeah, how was it all completely <laughs> wrong? No, no, like, as I got bigger, I put on, I bought a different one. Oh, okay, <laughs> right, right. I thought you were squeezing into a child's shirt. Yeah, but to be honest, from high school on, it was the same shirt. That's so so what I did was I just cut the sides yeah. and I just, like, you just throw it on like a cape kind of thing. And underneath oh, the pads? Sorry. Yeah, underneath the pads, yeah. How, like, so was it worth it, $10,000? I'd say every time. Yeah, now hindsight, no, most definitely it was worth it. But yeah. then I was like, you know, like, where's all my money? I got this. I was getting receipts. When they find you, do you just turn up and there's a little letter sticking out of your locker? Pretty much. It's like an envelope just sitting on your chair. And so the first time it happens, you're like, who sent me a letter? Oh, the league. And uh, they've also taken my entire pay packet. <laughs> uh, took, they took my pay of week one and all of training camp. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and were you living like rented accommodation or have you? did you buy a place? No, I had already bought a place. I mean, I was a second round pick, so I had I had got a, a pretty decent amount of cash. Yeah, and I had just bought like a uh, my first house, which was nice. Um, I literally kept that house. The I stayed in that same house all the way till I left Jacksonville in 2013. So, you know, it, it was it went through some ups and downs in that place, but it was fun. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be rare in the NFL to be able to do that. I mean, stay in not only one team more or less for your entire career, but you know. Stay in the same house that you bought as a rookie. I mean, that that's, I think that seems the word confident, but humble. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Didn't, didn't move the house, didn't upgrade, even after your three huge seasons. Like, nah, I know, I'm good. This one's good. That's nice. I like that. Because I watched a video with you and you said that when you went home, like this was when you were still playing in Jacksonville, but you were already a star, um, that you went home and you just played with your dogs and you didn't really talk about the NFL. You just worked out, played with the dogs and lived your life. Yeah, you know, it was, I was, I was um, enamored with, with being successful, which that's like now being 35, I'm like, I should have probably traveled the world and <laughs> some of the stuff some of these other guys are doing, but I, I wanted to be so successful that I didn't want anything to deter from what I was like focused on, you know? So I would literally, I would literally go back to the Bay Area from January till March and train, right? See my family, hang out for a couple months. Um, and then play with my dogs. And then March hit, I was to Miami where I would train for the heat or in the heat with- uh, Train for the Miami yeah, heat. For the Miami heat, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, I would, I would train with some of the Miami heat, but- Five foot eight, starting center. Yeah, center for the Miami Maurice. heat. It's Maurice Jones-Drew. <laughs> and back then I could dunk too. So I, I had a Shut little- up, You can dunk. Piss off, mate. Oh yeah, I could dunk back at like my first couple of years in the league. And then oh, I what, you were stopped. jumping, you were jumping out your shoes at the combine, so I believe it. Yeah, but- um. Yeah, I was so enamored with just being successful, right? Like just, I hated, I was always scared of, uh, there were so many guys from my hometown that that could have made it or that went to college and they didn't make it and they came back mm. home and they would like work at like the Walmart right. or the grocery store, right? That scared me. So I would always go home to get that, like to be able to like, okay, I want to be this. Yeah. So let me like get laser back focus. to work. Uh, yeah, it kept me like laser focused, mm -hmm. right? And so- um, so focused that I didn't really enjoy the fruits of my labor as such. Right. So, um, now I'm starting to do that, but yeah, it, it was just like, I was so scared of failing that it drove me like insane. Yeah. Right. It wasn't the, 
you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just obsessed with winning, like winning, 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 winning. Uh, yes, I have that in me, but it was the the fear of failure that pushed me to not like do anything. And so wow. it, it kept me motivated. It kept me like staying to myself and just going out there and and really just, you know, pushing myself to my limit every every day, I felt like. But I feel like the fruits of your labor can be now measured. You know, you were so focused at the time. You look back at 2009, at 2011, 15 touchdowns, still a Jacksonville record in 2009. Second, in, went to the Pro Bowl, but behind CJ2K. And of course, week eight, the battle of the backs in 2009. <laughs> that was absurd. It was essentially, for people who haven't seen it, I implore you to go and watch it on YouTube or go and watch our YouTube and I'll do a, a nice uh, highlight breakdown for you. MJD scampers for 80 yards, touchdown, 79 yard touchdown to which CJ2K replies with 52 yards and then 81 yards how good was he that season? I mean, you had a blind oh. season, but I mean. Oh, it was. So the, at that point, I want to say the AFC South, it was myself, Chris Johnson and Arian Fawcett. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're like, we're battling each week. Right. And they're, we're all good friends. Like we all talk and we were chopping it up. But and Joseph Adai. And Joseph Adai. <laughs> Don't forget. Joseph Adai, right. Like there was it was a, there was a point in time where the whole AFC is ran by the AFC South back. Like, yeah. It was like you had to go to work every day. Like. And so uh, it was interesting. Like that game was crazy because we jumped, we had, we were, I don't think we got a first down until like maybe the middle of the second quarter. And um, we had actually beat Tennessee early that year. We beat the brakes off them. I think we put up 40 on them and, um, or it was like a high 30 game and we got after them and they came back and responded. But that game was so weird because we couldn't get a first down. Then all of a sudden we clipped off like two or three big runs right away. And it was like, juju. we're like, oh, okay, we're back. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, here comes CJ2K, just boom, boom, up and down the field. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, this, this is about to be a track meet. Let me like- Yeah, it, it really was. It was, it was. it was bananas. But um, I think that was the year he rushed for 2000 It too, was, right? yeah. You must have been livid. Because you had such a good season, like a Pro Bowl season. And it's like, oh, for goodness sake, he's rubbing 2,000 yards. Oh, bro, he was, he, it was every week we would watch highlights and he was just breaking off run after like 80 yard run, 60 yard yeah. pass, 80 yeah. yard run. I was like, man, can someone stop him? But, you know, again, we just saw Derrick Henry do it. Like Tennessee has a, a knack for getting backs that can break, I guess, Russ for 2,000 yards. Not Lendell White. Well, that's what I was going to say though, <laughs> because you had smash and dash there. And I mean, you had to play almost, well, Fred was, well, no, you were playing, you were basically the three down back at this point, right? CJ2K was not a three down back because you had Lendale White coming in on first and sometimes second down to take that pressure off. So you're taking more snaps than him. And you know, also- He's fresher than you. You're running all over the park. You're catching it. Like people don't understand, Chris Johnson weighed like 180 pounds. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't a big dude. So like I was 210 pounds. So I was at literally 30 pounds more than this dude. And so when he would break these runs off, you could tell he was lighter than everyone else. Like he was yeah. gliding away from guys. Where it was just like I'm like trying to get him run away from these safeties and all these different like it was it was it was impressive to see him go out and do what he did like I I, uh, I hope he does get consideration for the Hall of Fame because that was a tremendous year for a running back. But you wouldn't see Chris Johnson putting Sean Merriman on his bottom. Let's go and look at that. I mean, for people again who haven't seen it, Maurice Jones drew play action. You fake the handoff and then you sit down, Sean Merriman. I mean, how did you feel after that? So that. It's funny because uh, the Chargers at the time, like they had a, they were going on a run like we were in 2007, um, and it was an important game for playoff seating. Um, and so all week, like we were like, how are we going to block Sean Merriman? And the coaches did a great job of 
put together a game plan that, um, you know, we had a tight end block them. We had a, you know, Greg Jones block them. We had a receiver come crack on them. Like we were just messing with them that whole drive. And so we get down to the goal line and during practice, they were like, look, we're going to run this play. It's the first goal line play we're going to run. We just want you to run full speed into them and just lay them out like <laughs> as hard as you can. So I was like, all right, cool. So, you know, we practiced the play and we, you know, I'm practicing my technique of how I'm going to go in there. I'm going to hit them up high. And, and we called the play and, and uh, Greg Jones does a good job of bluffing him, getting in his way. And normally on that play, guys put the, you know, running backs will cut you. So you put your hands down. Yeah. And if you watch it, he puts his hands down thinking I'm going to cut him. And I hit him right in his mouth. And, you know, it's just a law of leverage at this point. Like, he was prepared for something else. I get a good shot on him. He falls. We score a touchdown. My my Bruin buddy, Mercedes Lewis, catches it. And, uh, you know, it ended up being the, probably my, the, my most famous play. Some would right? say that's where he got his nickname, Lights Out, from you putting his lights out. <laughs> and the, the commentator called it like a boxing match. He's literally like, and Maurice Jones-Drew just KO'd Sean Merriman. It's amazing. Hey, listen, I always tell people, like, this is a game of leverage, right? Who yeah. has better leverage? A guy that's 5'7", five, 5'8", five, or a guy that's 6'4"? Mm. Every day of the week. And it's, math is math. It doesn't change. And then that's, you know, that's sort of... You're starting to become a Jacksonville treasure in 2009, and then you repeat the performance and better in 2011. I'm a Bucks fan, so you ran all over us in that game. Four touchdowns. There's a YouTube video of him mic'd up, and it's tough to watch as a Bucks fan, but a fan of football, you'll love it. And you're again named to the Pro Bowl, but this time behind Ray Rice. Does that start to get a bit... Because I feel like you were so good in Jacksonville. Do you feel like you were overlooked as being one of the best in the league um, uh, during your time because I've, you're appreciated by Jacksonville fans and people who know football. But I feel like you didn't get the plaudits you deserve because it was a small market team who weren't necessarily doing that well going to Super Bowls. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that comes with it. Uh, you know, we always made sure when we played like those big market teams like the, the Giants or the Jets or the, the, the Washington football team now or, you know, the Cowboys that you go out there and you play well. Mm. Um, but for me, it was more of just getting the the respect of my peers was the most important thing. I, I, I guarantee now if there was like social media back then, like Instagram, and I think that was like a couple of years before Instagram too. It yeah. might've been like the year before Instagram. The MySpace my sweet spot. Yeah, I believe it yeah. was, what was it? When was the year Frank Gore was drafted was the year the first video was ever uploaded to YouTube, if that helps. Right. So like it, things are things are a little bit different now with these guys where you can still be in a small market but have a huge following because of like social media, right. which is big. But uh, it's so like I always try to explain to people like I was kind of caught in the in between the transition from like regular print, right, where you know people are writing articles and this mm -hmm. and that to then everyone can be a journalist on Twitter, mm -hmm. everyone can be a journalist on Instagram yeah. and Facebook and all those things, and you you have a bigger uh, thing, but. You know, at the end of the day, I, I was all pro a couple years, pro bowl a couple years. I enjoyed my time and the people of Jackson have always been great to me. So like that, that's, that's what, what I, I care about most important. Just a quick one. Mm -hmm. So out of these two jerseys, when they change from this, we're talking the, um, for, the this, for the listeners, that's the that's rookie blackout, blackout with, the, with the full jag on the side before they change the logo to the later Maurice Jones drew, which is the kind More of the digital, digital calculatory, right. which did you prefer? There's one right answer. Get it right. Yeah. There is a wrong answer. Oh, that's right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the rookie jersey every time. <laughs> what were these? 
I mean, those were we. I, I look. I played in like seventeen jersey combinations. I mean, we we played that one was two thousand twelve, yeah. two thousand thirteen. We had five or six other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we played in all different type of ones. I, just the 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 rookie thirty two reminds me of just playing the Giants on Monday night, my yeah. rookie year, um, and we came out in our all blacks and we we dismantled uh, the Giants with and they had a they had a really good team. And uh, that's when I, I knew like this team could be special. So it was uh, th- that jersey means a little bit more. It's my rookie year too, so it makes sense. How about this? We promise we won't sell this jersey. Please, if we can send it to you, you can sign it, dear my colleagues at NFL Zone, <laughs> you and Chris, and we'll put it on the wall. And I'll we'll put it, and we'll frame it and we'll put it on the wall in the office. We'll put it up here. Hey, I got you. I'll do it. No problem. No easy money. So we'll get back to Maurice Jones Drew in a moment, but first. It's giveaway time. That's right. Every week we announce the winner of the previous week's giveaway. Last week on the Taylor Lewan episode, we gave away a Steve M. McNair jersey. And the moment you've all been waiting for, the winner of that jersey is 86HurleyBC on Twitter. Brian, get in touch with us. Congratulations. You are the proud owner of an Air McNair jersey. Well done, mate. You need to be listening to the podcast every week to figure out if you're a winner or not. And this week, we're giving away for the announcement on next week's show. Do you see the theme here? We're giving away a huge Jags haul. In conjunction with Claire the Bear, we are giving away a Fred Taylor jersey, along with a Jags pennant and pin, plus a guide to America's game signed by Josh Lambeau, Didi Westbrook, and the great man himself, MJD. So in order to be in with a chance to win that, all you have to do is obviously follow us, National Vintage, NBL Tweets on Twitter, follow Claire the Bear, retweet or share the show, subscribe to the podcast, and obviously listen up on next week's show to find out if you won. As always, if you need any vintage, please hit the website nationalvintageleague.com and as always, check out the YouTube for all of the highlights from this week's show, including what were you thinking and the game. And without further ado, we will take you back to Maurice Jones-Drew. Look at that, my poet. I didn't even know it. You were talking about how, you know, you were in the MySpace era and how you may have been in a thousand people's top 10 friends, but you didn't necessarily have the social media clout. I'm going to turn you into a star, baby, because we have a section entitled, What Were You Thinking? And I want to talk to you about the 2007 AFC wildcard, the imperfect comeback, you against the Steelers. Remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember that. I mean, that's the only time I went to the playoffs, so I remember that very well. <laughs> okay, right. I want you to walk me through it because you're at Heinz Field, correct? Yeah. It's freezing cold, and you just go off. I mean, the first one of your first bits of action in the game is a 99-yard kickoff return. Yeah, I got tackled at the one-yard yeah, line. I know. Yeah. And then they brought Fred Taylor in. <laughs> well, so it's our running back coach, Kennedy Polo, who's coaching Dalvin Cook right now. He um, he had a saying, if you get tackled inside the five on any long run, that means you're too tired. You were too tired to get in, so I'll bring someone else in. Oh, really? So if you ever watch any Jags game from, like, 2006 to probably, like, 2010, 9 or 10, if you ever see a running back get tackled inside the five, they don't even talk. They just come running out. <laughs> they know. So it's uh, it, it was it was a it was a man I, that monkey kind of jumped on my back. I think the Steelers had a long drive. Mm-hmm. I took like six or seven minutes off the clock right before that, and it was cold. So like your hamstring, you know, you're a little tight. Um, I catch the ball, and you know the the blockers. I mean, we hit a seam like it was like it was crazy, and so uh, got through there, and I started weaving through, 
And, you know, I think about the 20, 30 yard line is when that, 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 that gorilla jumped on my back and I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get there. And, uh, you know, it got me, but, uh, yeah, that, that, it was a, it was the first time we ever did a reverse where normally I would go in and get the goal line touches. Mm-hmm. This time Fred got in and got the goal line, which was awesome to see him do that. So, but you managed to shake that gorilla off your back with a, a sweet little 43 yard HB wheel route to the corner. David Garrard finds you HB wheel for the win. If you're playing Madden, which I know you do HB wheel oh, every God. time. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that play, um, we had knew that, uh, Pittsburgh had some very physical linebackers, but they weren't the best in the pass protection. And they, on certain third downs, like third and three, third and four, they love to play man to man. Um, and it was funny because when we, when we first get up there, I think it was Farrier, James Farrier, who was uh, telling Lamar Woodley, like, Hey, you need to chip him, like help me. Cause if he releases, we, you know, and they're talking at the time and David snaps the ball. So I'm able to get a good jump yeah. and get out around him. And I catch them both off guard. And if you watch Woodley tries to get to me, but he couldn't. And then Farrier's chasing and David put it right on me. Uh, and I had enough space to make the safety miss and, and score. So uh, it was we, we like, again, our coaches that year had did a great job of really game planning and understanding what the, the Pittsburgh Steelers wanted to do. And, you know, he put us in position to be successful. So that it was fun to see that. And then you shook uh, Farrier again with a run off the left into the corner of the end zone. You can see a brilliant block by your tight end, I think. Farrier's on the yeah. blitz. He picks him up and you just shoot the gap. Touchdown. Well, that's the other thing. Like, we knew. There's so many highlights from this game. One of the blitz, right? And uh, they bring these um, these exotic blitzes sometimes. And when you run into the, the blitz, if they're blitzing from the left, you run to the left, you can create a seam. And our whole left side, uh, our guard, Vinny Manawai, uh, was able to hook a guy. Our left tackle kicked the guy out. The tight end kicked the guy out. And uh, we were able to just run up there. And then Dennis Northcott was blocking my dog. Dennis Ike Northcott! Brilliant. Yeah, Dennis another Northcott. another we NBL legend. Yeah, we were able to get in there and make a play. So it was... Um, it was... It, like I said, it was... Uh, it, it was uh, Those were some good times for us, man. I, I hope people really you know, remember those times and treasure them because they, they were fun. They will. We'll put together the best highlight package Well, for the good times kind of ended i mean it's 28 28 10 uh beginning of the fourth quarter and i don't know if you've scrubbed this from your mind but the pittsburgh steelers came all the way back touchdown pass antonio holmes touchdown pass heath miller Najee Najee um davenport runs it in david garrard pick ike taylor he starts running back do you remember this right oh i remember all that I <laughs> so mean, where were you? were you on the sideline thinking oh no david you've thrown a pick no i mean look it, it, it David tried to throw I think he tried to throw it to Mercedes Lewis mm-hmm. uh, who's six seven and he overthrew him right he tried to throw him a high ball from the go up and get he overthrew him Ike was there to pick it off uh, I was on the sidelines watching um but what I loved about it was the effort of all our linemen and guys trying to get him like you could like in negative moments you can see if people really care or not you yeah. know like and so you got linemen like spreading down the field <laughs> trying to tackle him because they want and so it really like our defense was like, don't worry, we got you. Like, we'll we'll do what we got to do. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, though people make mistakes and they happen, but David redeems himself later in the game. Yes, he did. And who was blocking for him all the way down the field? Hey, fourth and two, man. I'm, I'm a fullback for the quarterback on a quarterback draw. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah, I just see you down on the 20 yard line. So David Graal gets down there sort of half tackled as you sort of flop onto the defender. It was kind of like a half block. I'll give you the credit. It's fine. 
Hey, I tried, got two blocks on that play. You know, I just wanted to make sure David didn't take too many hits. Brilliant. Um, well, yeah, if you're listening to this and you want to see that fully comprised into a social media worthy highlight reel, which I'm sure you will, MJD, will send you all that. Just check out our YouTube channel for What Were You Thinking? And now I think it is time for a little game. Yes. So we've briefed MJD. Um, you know we play a stupid game every week with a stupid name. So some of the names we had for this and ideas we had were Maurice Phones Drew, where I would get you to call my dad Drew, um, but that, that, that didn't got, really work. That got scrapped very quickly. Um, we had Knowing Me, Knowing Marie, Maurice Jones Drew. Yeah, Knowing Maurice Jones Me, Knowing, knowing Maurice, Maurice Jones, Jones Drew. Drew. Which I thought would be lost on you. It's a very British reference. So we ended up um, settling for Maurice phones you. So what we've done is we've got five of the biggest Jacksonville Jaguars fans who have waited patiently in the waiting room who have no idea that behind this virtual door, MJD, the Jacksonville Jaguars legend, sits. And we're going to tell them that we're going to play an MJD quiz. And we'll see how they react when uh, the man himself <laughs> comes to play in the quiz. So what I'm going to do now, I'll put you in the waiting room and then I'll go and invite all them about two minutes and I'll bring you back in. That good? All right, perfect. Legend. Thank you, MJD. You'd be like, I heard there was a quiz. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We are um, in the mix with five of the biggest, as voted by their peers, Jacksonville Jaguars fans in the UK, which is undisputed. It is a quiz about Maurice Jones-Drew in an effort to find, one, the biggest Jacksonville Jaguars fan in the UK, and two, the biggest Maurice Jones-Drew fan in the UK. We have Duncan, Chris, Seb, Stoff, and a uh, pedal bin. He says, I can't, I can see you, but won't let me join. Maybe, um, I don't know. I don't know. You're going to have to maybe undo your video there, mate. Because unfortunately, uh, unless you figure out, we're going to have to cut you from this because we are but on he can stay in. time constraints. You can stay in to watch. So, um, the winner of this quiz will win this lovely blackout Maurice Jones Drew jersey sported by me with the tags, as you know. Um, so, have we all got paper and pen? Fantastic. Um, I thought it would be only fair um, to invite one of my friends in. It's just someone else who's going to come and do the quiz with us. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, it's Maurice Jones Drew. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, I heard we're here possibly playing a quiz or a game. <laughs> I think you're going to know all the answers. Oh. That's the thing. So. Maybe, but I've made the quiz. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, are we ready for Maurice Phones You? you. Brilliant, what a I name. I like that actually, that worked really well. <laughs> so everybody, this is going to be a quiz of eight questions. The answers to all the questions is a number. So it's very simply write down the number you think the answer is, and then the winner is the person that gets the right number or closest to it without going over. Are we Simple, clear? right? Basically, get the right number, okay? And obviously <laughs> they will be to do with Maurice Jones-Drew. You would think he has an advantage, um, but and, does he? Well, he does because he knows the answer to the first question already. But we'll see how many other people get it because it came up earlier. But, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we will start playing Maurice, Maurice phones, phones you. you. What a name. Question number one. In the 2006 draft, the year of our Lord, Broderick Bunkley, how many running backs were taken before Maurice Jones-Drew? Write down your answer. Closest wins. On your sheet, please. Closest <laughs> without going over. If you go over, you are excluded. Maurice, if you get this wrong... Yeah, if you get any of these wrong... <laughs> that was a long time ago, guys. It was like 10 years. That was longer than 10 years ago. I am so rubbish at trivia and numbers. I should have told you this before we started. <laughs> Don't ask me what day it is. I get that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So we're going to go with question number two. We will do all the answers at the end. 
In his rookie season, MJD finished third in the NFL for kickoff returns. To the closest yard, what was his average? So niche. So unbelievably niche. <laughs> That's a tough one. Do you know that, MJD? Uh, I think I do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he just knows all of his stats. Yeah, it's all tattooed on his inside arm. Yeah, he's like, let me just check. Uh, yeah. No question. No cheat notes. No question. <laughs> okay, everyone ready? Question number three. How many seasons did MJD finish with over 1,300 rushing yards? Can you imagine if MJD wins his own jersey? I would love it if MJD comes last. <laughs> oh, I'm totally coming last this one. That wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question number four. How many yards was MJD's longest ever rushing carry for? I do know this one because it was in the Battle of the Backs in 2009. Yes, Duncan's got it. <laughs> so got some nods, some cheers. It's happiness. Unfortunately, beaten in the same game by uh, CJ2K. All right, we don't mention CJ2K. He who must not be named. Okay, question number five, guys. <laughs> How many receiving touchdowns did Maurice Jones-Drew finish his NFL career with? Well, that's a tough one. A man who could run, <laughs> receive, and block. Sean Merriman <laughs> tuning into this. <laughs> R.I.P. Sean Merriman. That's a tough one. Stop setting up the safety nets here, Maurice. You should know all this. I don't know that. I don't think I know that. A chink thing. of light, guys. B hit the hole. <laughs> Get the win. Punch it in. Right. Question number six. What year did MJD officially retire as a Jaguar? Trick question. Thanks for that. Tricky trick question. Why would question. you say that? Well, because it's a trick question. Right, but you don't warn them about the trick. Yeah, you do. What magic shows do you go to? <laughs> All right, this is definitely a trick, all right? It's not magic. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Figure out how I've done this. Um, okay, question number seven. In Madden 13, what was MJD's rating? Unbelievable question. What a question. What a question. And it's also so embarrassing for you guys because he's here and you have to say how good you think he is to his face. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like a 65. He had 40 carrying or something like that. 99. Yeah. <laughs> and final question. In 2014, Bleacher Report released an article listing the top 10 Jaguars players of all time. What number was MJD? Number 68 did not make the list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, another hard one because it's like, where do you want to say you rank Maurice Jones? Yeah, in, in your all-time Jaguars. Jones Drew. Oh, it's man. not our opinion. It's not our opinion. That is true. That's true. It's Bleach Report's opinion. We can blame it on someone else. It's That's true. Well, we'll see if Blake Bortles um, is above him. I hope so. He'd missed the list. <laughs> <laughs> Just a quick question for MJD as we all go uh, through our uh, answers. Just on Madden, how many times did you win the Madden Bowl? Just once against Patrick Willis. So it's funny. I won the Madden Bowl against Ocho Sing. I won it three times, but the only time they really counted was the one against That's Patrick That's what I Willis. thought, because I looked it up and I knew you'd won it three times. I was the best Madden player in the NFL by far. Well, we'll get to that because Hugh thinks he's the best Madden player in the UK. So we've got a suggestion, which is that you guys play each other online for £100 donated to the charity of the winner's choice. In a section titled, Maurice Owns Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't played video games in like two Oh, uh, we've all got excuses, so mate. You know, I'm in lockdown. I, you know, my, my, my wrist hurts. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, even even with the even with the lockdown, I wasn't playing video games. So 
That lets you know, like I was, I've been doing some other stuff, but yeah. Well, you also named your child Madden. So unfortunately you can't not take this challenge. <laughs> I have, right, I yeah. have to do it. And I'm, uh, you're exactly right. Are you still hosting the fantasy show with uh, Mike Dempsey? No, I'm not actually. Um, I I had uh, I'm not doing SiriusXM anymore. I'm just doing the fantasy show on NFL Network. Stoff, so. did did MJD see uh, when you when you came in 2013 to Wembley? Stoff, does MJD know this? Um, he liked the picture just recently on Instagram, so I'm assuming okay. he did. So Stoff um got huge MJD wooden signs in the stands. That's what I'm. Hey, well, I'm about to go back and look at it because I have a. a I'm new to this Instagram thing, so I hired some girl to do it for <laughs> Oh, me. no! <laughs> You're breaking was, stuff off! Wasn't, wasn't even him! Wasn't even him! Oh, no, don't worry about it. I'm about to go Any look right now. Any likes you have received from Maurice Jones-Drew are fake. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a bot. Yeah, who's been responding? Are you just going to pull off your face like Mission Impossible? It's going to be some woman. It's Lendale White! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Joseph Adai! The run sign was done in teal, and MJD was done in black. And I was in... Oh, the, I did see uh, that. I did see that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And there was Amazing. like six of us that were holding signs because we were all like, they're all my friends and we were all like, they all wanted you to go onto their teams, you know, I mean, during free agency and stuff. They were all like, we want to trade for MJD and stuff like that. So like a Patriots guy was like, I want MJD, a Falcons guy back when they had um, Michael Turner and stuff like that. They all wanted Mojo on their team. But he so. all went, he went home to Oakland. Yeah. And so, then weirdly back to college, age 28, after his career. Were you not like, when you went back to UCLA, age 28, and you were already Maurice Jones-Drew, was everyone else in the college not like, oh, look, it's Maurice Jones-Drew. Sorry, mate, you look a lot like Maurice Jones-Drew. The problem was, like, I was older than most of my professors at that point. You know, UCLA has a lot of young professors. So um, when I went back, it was kind of like, this, they're trying to teach me about the world. And I'm like, yo... I mean, I'm living in this world. Like, I'm not in this bubble of UCLA and Bel Air and all that. Like, it was, it was interesting to see. You know, I, I wanted to go. I think I got a 4-0 that year too. So, tried to give my best effort. Did you get? Did you try and rejoin the football team as a Pro Bowl <laughs> running back? Oh no! I played for free. <laughs> Never again. Yeah, they're all eating instant ramen. You made 40 million in your years in the NFL. Okay, right. Let's get to the quiz, guys. It is going to be an honor marking system. Okay, so. But you're all Jaguars fans and you're all absolutely honest. So we will <laughs> go with the first question. In the 2006 draft, the year of our Lord Broderick Bunkley, how many running backs were taken before MJD? MJD, do you want to answer that one? Five. Oh, damn, I got four. Oh, I got three. Wow. Okay, so that point goes to Seb. Did anyone else get five other than MJD? Well, Seb and MJD got that one. For extra points, and MJD, you cannot answer, can anyone name any of the running backs that went before him? A point per name. Extra points are on the table here. Willis McGahee. <laughs> no. No. A, a years <laughs> before him, maybe. Not that old. Was it uh, Jim Brown, Walter Payton? <laughs> yeah. in, the, in that draft, do you mean in that draft? Yeah, in that draft. draft. Yeah. <laughs> Not just ever. <laughs> yeah. The answers, because we're going to be here forever, are Lindale White, Joseph Adai, D'Angelo Williams, Lawrence Maroney, and of course, USC's Reggie Bush. Bush. Hey. Question <laughs> two. In his rookie season, MJD finished third in the NFL for kickoff returns to the closest yard. What was his average? MJD, what do you have for that? 26? Oh. There's an opportunity for points. The correct answer is 27.7. Therefore, the closest yard is 28. What did everyone say? 21. Now, 13 and a half, because I know his average running yard. So I got a little bit confused there. 
Oh, wow. So you gave him, like, literally, like, eight on a kickoff return. That's... <laughs> no, no. His average run was, his average run was 4.4, I think. So I was, like, factoring that in. I got it wrong, boys. Move on. It's fine. Okay. Well, Maurice, well done. You, you correctly got that one right as well. Okay. Question three. How many seasons has MJD finished with over 1,300 rushing yards? MJD, what was the answer? Three. Yes, it was. Hang on. Oh. Boom. So Dude. we've got points for Duncan. We've got points for Seb. Um, Chris, any for you? No, no, come on. Bad luck, guys. And we uh, take a moment to remember Pedalbin, who couldn't be with us this evening. Who probably would have been He's got everyone it. right so yeah, far. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like furiously typing on his keyboard. <laughs> Let me in! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Question four. How many yards was MJD's longest ever rushing carry for MJD? Can I answer this? 80, 80 yards. yards. 80 yards. Perfect. Okay. Question five. Tricky one. How many receiving touchdowns did MJD finish with in his NFL career? Maurice, do you know the answer? I think it's like 13. You wish it was 13. <laughs> 11? Yeah, it's 11. There we go. 11. Oh. Who's got a point there? Me. Oh, fight back. Duncan and Chris. Question number six. I love the fact Maurice Jones, you got that wrong. Well, no. I mean, I had a bunch of more, but they got taken back. Oh, that. yeah. That's, oh, that's yeah. I don't forget, I forget about the penalty situation. Send that message to Wikipedia, mate. Um, <laughs> no question number six. What year did MJD officially retire as a Jaguar? As you said, this was a trick question. MJD, what was the answer? 2015. Absolutely. 2015, because he went back and signed a one-day contract. That's right. Yes, sir. Right. So we got correct answers from, yes, Duncan, yep. Seb, yep. yep. Chris, yep. Mm -hmm. Stofe, no. no. Fine. Bringing up the rear, no problem at all. Someone's got to do it. Question number seven. In Madden this 13. This is spicy. This is spicy. <laughs> in Madden 13, MJD, what was your official rating? I want to go, no, let's go one by one. What did oh, everyone yeah. have? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah, Duncan. 72. Oh! That's love. Look out. Hugh, oh. zoom in on MJD's reaction when you post this clip. Okay. Wow. Yeah, 72. I will, I will say at this point, as you've already written your answers, he was tied with Adrian Peterson for the best running back in the game. And it wasn't 72. Let me tell you that for free. <laughs> yeah. So, Chris, what do you oh, reckon? No. I had 78 because I didn't play Madden back then. Oh, my so God. I had no idea. Goodness. Maurice, please don't hang up. They oh. are big fans. I was, I, was about to, I was about to start moving over and leave, but... <laughs> I'll stay. I don't play Madden. I don't know what they are. Fair enough. At least it was between one and a hundred. Yeah. Seb. Yeah, I didn't go two. Because yeah. thinking he was the second best. No. <laughs> yeah. um, I had 88. That's more like That's it. That's more like Which it. Which I still think was conservative. Because it was, was, but like it. Stove, what were we saying? I think it was 96 because he was the only good player on the Jags besides from Mercedes Lewis on that in that game. Maurice, do you know what, what answer do you have? Uh, 96, I think, was uh, 2000 Madden 12. Oh, we're going to get um, really technical now. That's actually 2012, I think 2013. I, was like 89. I think I was like an 89 or a 90 in that range. No, you were rated 97. 97. Oh! Equal running back in the game with AP. So Stove beats out everyone with a point. Well done, Stove. Stove with it. I got one. <laughs> Whoa, he came back. He came back. Exactly. Crack out the wooden signs. MJD. Yeah. MJD. It's the unlikely comeback. You just need two more friends for 97 now. And now the final question. In 2014, Bleacher Report released an article listing the top 10 Jaguars players of all time. What number was MJD? Again, let's go round the room. Duncan, what number? How good is this Jag? In the annums of history. Three, I put. Three. I like it. It's a lot better than 72. Okay. I nearly, I nearly changed my answer to two last minute just to make that. <laughs> okay, we've got three from Duncan. Chris. 
I also put three. Three, fantastic. So I, are we all thinking McCardell and Jimmy Smith higher? Um, I, I would have gone I, Tony Baselli. Tony Baselli. Uh, yeah, I put I put four um, behind Baselli, Taylor, and Jimmy Smith. Love it, Stoff. Four as well uh, behind Taylor, Baselli, Jimmy Smith. MJD. One. One. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a man we who played. Correct me if I'm wrong, MJD. This is a man who played fantasy every year he was in the league and drafted himself every year. Every yeah, year. Why wouldn't you? And That's then. The right thing to do. When you were playing the Jets, they told you to that. take a knee on the goal line and you had to come out and apologize to fancy owners. <laughs> no question. <laughs> I know a lot of people lost a lot with that game, so it happened. Is it true that's how Mike Dempsey got their fantasy show with you because of that game? Uh, well, me and Mike Dempsey had a uh, fantasy show in Jacksonville for like two or three years before that. And then when I took a knee, SiriusXM came out, they were starting their fantasy channel. And I told him I only wanted to work with Dempsey. And so that's how he kind of got on. Oh, that's cool. So wow. who had four? Well, it was Seb, wasn't it? Seb, you nailed four? Yes. I had Stoff? Four. Yeah, Stoff. I had four as well. And you both were absolutely correct. MJD, your fourth all time um, behind um, Fred Taylor, Tony Baselli. And Blake Bortles. And Crazy. <laughs> Insane. How has he done it? Behind Blaine Gabbert, Blake Bortles, and uh, Carnell Lake. Uh, free safety, never played for them. Um, so that, ladies and gentlemen, is the game. We have a clear winner, which is nice. And their names aren't Maurice, Jones, and Drew, the best law firm in the NFL. It is Seb Talksport. Seb, Seb Kennedy. Don't smash it, son. So you are the Thank proud you. owner of a blackout Maurice Jones Drew jersey. Unfortunately, not the greatest from his career. We love this rookie one. But MJD has agreed to sign this and send it back to us to be framed. So unfortunately, that's definitely happening. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you much. Sir. Jags fans, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you waiting in the waiting room for so long. MJD, thank you, sir. And thank you for listening to the NVL show. Catch the highlights on YouTube and we will catch you next week. That was the NVL show. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to it just as much as we enjoyed making it. If you want that vintage jersey you just can't find, head to us on nationalvintageleague.com or if you want to follow us on social media, it's at National Vintage League on Instagram and at NVL Tweets on Twitter. So until next time, you take it easy. Yeah.